1: Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so that together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings everywhere. Today's podcast is called Questions for Laura. So I reached out on Instagram, which I've done before and just asked people, what would you like to hear about? And I got so many great answers, so many great questions. And I thought, why not just read through some of them right now, almost like somebody was interviewing me and let me answer them because I do get questions daily and I really want to help as many people as I can and I'm hoping that someone that has a question, um, I'm sure everyone that has a question, other people have those same questions. So some of the people that have questions for me today, I hope that um, it might resonate for you, my answers. And let this spark any questions that you might have for me. I don't claim to have all the answers, but I will certainly answer ones with the best of my knowledge. So without further ado, here we go. Um, One of the first questions I got was, how do you best move through or take care of your body during times of stress, fatigue, or exhaustion? And I am asked that quite a bit. Um, I would say the best best way (laughs) to move through it is to move. And that seems so simple. And I'm not saying it's always the answer. But let me personalize this by saying, I tend to have most of my kind of work, quote unquote, um, Monday through Saturday, meaning I teach or I'm working on projects and I'm, I'm with my kids. I'm doing my home life work. It's all, it's all kind of part, you know, it's all part of the, the big picture. And then Sundays, I think it's just a habit maybe from my days of growing up and and I would go to church and we would, you know, come home in the afternoon and kind of relax. And then um, sometimes I would go back and do youth group type things. But Sunday was this day of rest or or at least a pause. And so I try to have that same same cultivate that same feeling for Sundays. And I will tell you, it sometimes is my hardest day because I am not I'm not oriented, if that makes sense. I feel like my compass is off. You know, the the day and I and I don't want to say like, oh, you got to have a huge schedule and a plan and from 9 to 12 do this and and whatever. But I I Sundays without any real schedule or plan like I do on the other days becomes like kind of almost like a blob day for me. I mean, I sh- and, and I don't want to call it a rest day because your body doesn't need to rest, by the way, really. I mean, even when you're having some sickness, at least some mild forms of it, movement actually helps because your lymph system depends on movement. I don't know if you knew this or not, but you literally, if you stayed in bed for weeks on end, you would your immune system would be really compromised. And that's why we get people in the hospital out of bed as often as possible. They need to move, even if it's just a few different positions, because the lymph system is um, hydraulic in a lot of in, in most of its ways, and it requires movement to function. So the point is, even when you're even a little bit sick, it's better to do a little bit of movement. Sleep, of course, is hugely important for getting your immune system functioning the best. But um, So I'm not saying if you're sick, you have to move, but I'm just saying don't assume that you you shouldn't move because you probably should. So getting back to my Sunday and getting back to this question, <laughs> my Sundays tend to be kind of a blob day. And actually, I feel like they're my most stagnant day and kind of lead me to feeling more fatigued. And it's always interesting. Like I I really sometimes observe it and and I use that just as information gathering. Like maybe I don't really need to have a day where I just don't have anything planned. And so when I schedule even one thing on that day that that is you know just one thing whether it's going out in the woods or getting together with a friend But having one thing scheduled on that day, uh, it really does help me a lot. So what I'm extrapolating and saying is that to move through something or take care of your body when you are feeling stressed or fatigued or exhausted, schedule something. Schedule a date with a friend. If you have animals, hang out with your animals or take your dog for a walk schedule some kind of activity and it doesn't have to be big that's going to actually make you exhausted thinking about it but movement of some kind certainly will help i cannot say enough about walking in the woods it has been not it is a daily joy for me when especially on the days that i'm able to do it and i i've missed it like this last week for example i've been doing a lot of um work and going into New York for meetings and I haven't taken my dogs for a walk in 3 days and it feels like eternity. It's just a daily source of joy for me to be out in the woods, to be out in the elements. I go out in the mud, I go out pretty much in any condition unless it's pouring rain and cold. And to see them frolic and play and just to be in nature and to look around at the at the just majestic earth that we live on and in, um, it's humbling. And I think that alone can get you out of your stress mode, Um, getting in touch with nature, but also getting in touch with another being, whether it's an animal or a person that's going to kind of pull you out of that state of fatigue or exhaustion. So that would be my very long answer to that. All right. another, um, Another question someone asked is, does text neck affect jaw clenching at night? That's interesting because when I see someone who has neck issues, I often ask them, do you clench your jaw at night? Because there is fascial tissue around your jaw that goes actually inside of your mouth and it runs down the back of your neck and the, also the side of your neck. And that absolutely can contribute to neck tension. Does text neck Uh, Contribute to jaw clenching or does jaw clenching contribute to text neck? Well, I think it doesn't really matter if they both affect one, uh, the other. So work on them both. Jaw clenching at night, uh, there's many people who do this and somewhere I have several friends who wear jaw guards and it's problematic because you don't know you're doing it and you can't help when you're doing it. So, I will say that I think breathing and relaxation techniques prior to going to bed would probably help a tremendous amount in that um, because clenching your jaw is probably some kind of stress related um, issue. And then it becomes kind of habit, like how, because, you know, it's said that a lot of the stuff that we're harboring in our brain is processed in our sleep. So, I'm imagining if you're clenching your jaw, you're processing something that's stress-related. And so if you can empty that out before you go to bed, and there's there's plenty of apps and things like that for it, but I think, I think simply closing your eyes and bringing the tip of your tongue to the roof of your mouth behind your teeth and focusing on your breath, the breath in and the breath out. And I used to do this sometimes with my daughter when she would have any kind of anxiety before she went to bed. And cause she's a big thinker and a big feeler, my, my gal. And she was one of those kids that would call me in her, the room. I think she was six years old and she'd say, mommy, what is It's like, what is the meaning of life practically? She would be like, I just sometimes look out my window and think about what is out there and why I'm a part of it. I mean, just amazing thoughts that would come from her, you know? And with that, there can be some real fear because you're too little. She was too little to really understand the bigness of her thoughts. And and so I would work with her on just taking these breaths and then just focusing on counting the breaths. And that really helped her. So I imagine that would help with your jaw clenching. And then, of course, the text next stuff. You just have to do all the things that I've talked about to um, position your head better throughout the day. Okay, so another person asked me, when I open my shoulders, I can't stay in a neutral pelvis position. My back is blocked in the middle. This is often related to the text neck or forward head as well, and the anterior tilt of the pelvis. So she's saying when she does that neutral pelvis, which as you know, is um, a prior episode, that getting um, probably getting her tailbone down and her pubic bone up will stretch out that mid part of the back and that's stuck. And there are some good, I've actually filmed some things lately that are really nice for this. This area right between the shoulder blades in particular gets kind of like almost um, blocked like she's talking about. So one thing you can do is Bring your hands straight out in front of you and interlace the fingers so that you're making a, a one universal fist, I like to call it, clasping the fingers. And if you're sitting, um, you can do this in sitting, you can do it standing. But you're going to then take that universal fist and push it farther away so the, the shoulder blades start to pull apart a, a bit on the back body. And then you're going to punch back Back with your chest, as if you were somebody was pushing your chest back, and really punch that area between the shoulder blades back in space. So your arms are forward, but then you start to move back, almost like you're doing a cat, and you can release the chin down. And if you do that a few times, you will start to feel some the releasing of the fascia, that connective tissue, um, on top of the the vertebra that gets stuck. And that can help that feeling of, of um, tightness when you bring your pelvis in a neutral position. So keep with it. And everything, as I talked about with my brother, John, you have to do everything incrementally because when you have, it's like when people get very impatient about making changes in their quote unquote flexibility. And I always say, listen, listen, <laughs> You've been working, like, especially if it's, you know, been decades old, like there's been decades of getting your body in this position. It's going to take a little bit of time to unwind some of that stuff. It won't take decades, but you have to be patient, people. It's really important. First, observe, notice, and then just be curious and be patient. Things will take time, but they will change. Don't give up on it and don't get frustrated. Because just think, if this took me, even if it took me two years to to have my neck kind of get shortened and back and my my chin thrusted, it's going to take a little bit of time to rewire the, the understanding of where the brain is, uh, of where the head is in space, and then also open up some of the tight tissues that have developed from that. All right, so that I hope will help with this person who feels like their neutral pelvis is hard to acquire okay going on to some more questions i hope these are helpful i think a lot of people will have you know these kind of questions okay so dealing with others that are not aware of their emotional issues and blaming others how do you deal with those type of people so how do you deal with people who are not aware of their own emotional issues and blame other people Well, I mentioned this in another episode. You can only change your response to those people. People are, only they've got to be, you know, I I say this to my kids all the time. And I'll tell you, being a parent is kind of like getting a do-over. Not that, you know, you didn't do well or something, but because you really get to process what you would like to have seen as a kid. But you're doing it from an adult perspective and an understanding that kids are going to act a certain way because of all these reasons. They're hurt. They're angry. They're insecure. They aren't getting enough attention. On and on and on. There's kids respond ve- like they, there's no um, facade, you know, so kids are great ways of learning. Um, how or having a kid is a great way of learning for yourself how you want to respond to people because you can you, adults are just larger kids <laughs> with you know the same issues and probably responding the same way but um, doing it you know a little bit different and it's not as cute and it's not as tolerable because they're an adult and you're like come on move through this but the advice that I gave my kids is you are only responsible for you. If someone is um, blaming somebody else for everything, I remember my son had had um, a kid once and, he would, and my son would say like, my goodness, he doesn't take responsibility for everything. It's always somebody else's fault. Somebody else made him do it on and on. And I said, well, the only thing, you can, you're only responsible for yourself. And I'm sorry, you have to see that, notice it you can even feel a little sorry for him, but you can't change it. What you can do is be the best person you can be. And so for this person who's asking the question, I don't know who you're dealing with that is not aware of their own emotional issues. Obviously, family is harder because you're kind of stuck with them, (laughs) I guess. Um, But you can't tell them about their emotional issues but what you can do is ask some questions ask some questions like you know it seems like you are struggling is there anything I can help you with that can actually completely um catch somebody by surprise if you actually kind of acknowledge what they're what they're talking about they're blaming somebody I'm like oh i I see that you're you're thinking this is your boss's fault. Like, what happened? And, and I'm sorry you feel that way. You know, you're not saying like, wow, you're such a whiner, but you're like, hey, I hear you. And sometimes the people that cry the loudest are the ones who are need need to get a pat on the back, need to get a hug. Because they've literally had to turn the volume up that loud because think about how probably everyone else is sick of hearing them and their emotional issues, too. Now, if it becomes toxic, you know, that's everybody has a different level of, un, of being able to deal with people. And I've had people in my life, very, very few, I will say, but have had lots of stuff going on. And I could see all, all they would do was blame everybody else and, 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 and suck the energy out of the room. And, you know, at a certain point, you can't be responsible for trying to make that person feel better. And you don't, and if you're coming home after spending time with somebody like that, and you f- feel worse, and you just feel depleted, and you're not getting anything out of the relationship. I mean, relationship is an exchange of currency, right? Just like you go into an, any kind of investment, you ha- you're, you're investing your time and your energy and your, um, love and your friendship. And if you're not getting that return back, it doesn't have to be, you know, like you can have different currency. It doesn't have to be like an, a perfect exchange rate, right? But if you're not getting back enough currency, that's making you feel valued, then that's when you have to say, I'm not sure this is a relationship I need to be in. Um, so that was a long answer to that. That's what I tend to give. I apologize. (laughs) I hope that helps. Though I mean, it's it's hard, you know. But but it's hard. But on the other hand, relationships are where we grow. I don't know if you know this. I didn't realize this until I did um a meditation um training, and someone in their training said, "You will grow. You will never grow in a vacuum." You will never grow in solitude because sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to go and meditate in the woods and I'll grow. Actually, you grow in a dynamic. You grow in a group setting. So that was what they were bringing up because we were in a group or you grow in, in a relationship because think about it like that's where the mirror happens. All the stuff happens that that brings up things of your own and your own experiences and your own behavior and patterns and so, you you're, you can reflect and and grow in that relationship, or not. And and just um, make sure that you feel like you're getting what you need out of the relationship. I guess is the point. Okay, another question: um, How to lead and create an atmosphere in, in a class? Um. I got a lot of teachers asking me questions. So I'm going to answer a few yoga teacher questions, but then I'm going to have a different episode for, for primarily for yoga teachers. But I think this could, let's just apply this to any kind of leadership position. Cause this could be leading a yoga class. This could be leading a um, discussion. You could be teaching some other form, whether it's teaching uh, a dance class or teaching a music class or a class at school. But how do you lead and create the atmosphere of a class? Well, I'm a big believer in being yourself. I There's nothing um, less an, or more annoying to me than if I were to go into a yoga class and see a yoga teacher and then see that same yoga teacher somewhere else, coffee shop or the street, and they were a completely different person. You know, like they put on this like yoga teacher facade or, or kind of like, you know, hello. <laughs> And then I see them in the street and they're, you know, rushing and and totally just a different person, right? Um, so number one, be yourself. So create the atmosphere of just authenticity. Create uh, it, it a, based on what makes you excited. What do you want in, in the atmosphere? Because what you want what, is what you're going to give and that's going to be real. So just be real. I guess that's the biggest thing to say. Because people want more of that, I can tell you. And they want to be led. I do know that. So how to lead is to be prepared, to be clear, and to have a perspective. I personally, and this is how I lead my trainings, I personally would never just walk into a class and see like, what what are we going to do today? And have no idea. Um, you wouldn't do that in a classroom. If I was teaching a particular science class or history class, I would have prepared, I would have had some kind of idea. And I think it's really, and that's going to give you a leadership role. So if, you know, when I go in to teach 10 people, when I go and teach a hundred people, I, I have an idea of what I'm going to do, a very specific idea. And then I have a theme and then I have, I want everyone to walk away feeling like they've been educated and enhanced and energized and that they're vibrant and alive, and that I have in some way improved their day through, and I need to lead them through that. So I need to guide guide them. I'm not um, I, I am guiding them. I want to instruct, and I think that is what is l- lacking is instruction because people don't necessarily have the, uh, the, the tools for that. So I think that you need to create an atmosphere of real stuff and that you are leading the class by being prepared and being, um, having tools to for that preparation. And it doesn't have to be crazy genius. It doesn't have to be Um, super creative, whatever is going to make you feel comfortable and confident. But just know if you've come in there with the intention of helping people, that's, you're already halfway there. And because that's what I want. I want, I want to feel like somebody is wanting to take care of me. So there's, there's my answer. And I think as a student, I'm hoping that you would feel that would be the same response. Okay, here we go. So Somebody asked me how to cue the body into alignment without confusion. Um, this would be another teacher training, teacher, teacher cue. And I will just answer this one quickly. And that is simply that talk clearly and succinctly and you don't have to get all flourishy. It's literally like say exactly what you want to say and teach to everyone as if they've never heard you say that before or heard it being said. So that's how you're, I think that's the best way to be clear without confusion is never make any assumptions. I really try not to. And it's it's hard, especially for me as a physical therapist and having like certain knowledge that I will talk through with physical therapists or people or, you know, medical people versus a person just walking in and having no knowledge of any part of their body and any part of yoga. So I want to be as clear to anyone in the room so that no one feels left out and there's no confusion. Somebody asked me, um, what does your vegan holiday food look like? Any vegan traditions? Oh, I got a lot of vegan questions, by the way. I love it. Vegan holiday food. Well, um, my so holidays, first of all, are really interesting. I'm, I was raised Presbyterian. Um, so Christian and my husband was raised Jewish, Reformed Jewish. And so when we married, we are, we call our, we vegan is our religion. And I'm going to get into veganism and my perspective of it in, in a different episode, because veganism to me is so much more than our, what we eat. It's um, our perspective. It's a perspective of, of compassion and kindness and believing truly and trying to live a life that is as consistently kind as possible and, and making choices with full awareness of the impact um, it has on every being around us and really believing that all beings deserve that same level of kindness and compassion. So we now call veganism as our religion. However, we do observe the Christian and Jewish holidays, for sure. And so that's fun. So we have Hanukkah coming up in the beginning of December. Um, We're in the Hanukkah season right now, in fact. And so for Hanukkah, we do um, wonderful uh, latkes, and they're really easy to make vegan latkes. Um, There's egg replacements, there's sour cream replacements, Tofutti sour cream is really lovely to put on top. And so this is like the one one or two times a year where we really kind of go out and fry food. I mean, I never fry food and I really don't like frying it. It's like such a gross experiment experience for me to have all that oil and stuff. But um, you have to for latkes. You can bake them, but they're just not quite the same. So we fry the latkes, that's potatoes and onions, and there's some little matzo meal you can work in there. And then there's egg replacement. And then you put some sour cream on top. So the vegan sour cream and applesauce and it's fun. And that's what we do for Hanukkah. And for Christmas, I don't really, I don't have any real tradition of Christmas food. I often spend it with my, my family. And when we did that growing up, we would have kind of like a Thanksgiving type meal for Christmas. We didn't have a, particular thing that we would have but for our Christmas meals um, we don't we just have whatever we want I mean I make something nice and everything uh, but I will say in general for holiday for in or the holiday time winter time I love making vegan soups and I have a couple of great soups I make one is a corn chowder and I'm just going to tell you how to do it right now because I never really measure stuff And I'm going to tell you the easiest way. All right. So you buy frozen organic corn. You have a bag of that. You chop up two things of celery. You chop up a red bell pepper and really make that organic. If you can't find an organic red bell pepper or if it's $5 a pound, just buy a green one. It's just not as pretty, like color wise, but it's the same. You know, it's the same vegetable. It's just one has been on the stock longer and it becomes more expensive. Um, So, but make it organic because the peppers are important that way. So we want um, celery, we want to cut up the pepper, and you're going to saute the pepper and the celery together, and you can add a little garlic if you'd like, and then you're going to add the frozen corn in there, and then you just put salt in there with that, and a bay leaf, and you're going to cover it with vegetable broth. And you can add like diced potatoes in there, but I typically don't, I just do that. And then I will take the corn that's kind of after that's all been sauteed together um, for like five or 10 minutes. I take it uh, like most of the corn, like 80% of it and blend it with a cup or two of some kind of um, vegan milk and blend in a high speed blender and then put it back in and then add a little bit more pepper. And that's literally all I do. It's deliciously yummy. I don't think I left out any of the ingredients. And then you just can cover it with some scallions. You can also saute the scallions or you can put raw scallions on top. Sometimes I add roasted pumpkin seeds on top, but I keep it really simple and my kids love it. So I make soups and I just make put things together and see how it turns out. There's some other recipes and I will certainly try and post those On my Instagram page, so that you guys can look at them. But that's that's kind of my those are my holiday foods. Is mostly staying warm. All right, I'm going to do one more question, and this is one I think um, nine people wrote about this about sleeping, talking about sleeping position. So there's like nine different ways of saying the same thing, which is, what's the best sleeping position? How do I position my neck when I'm sleeping? Well, sleeping is tough because you can't really control what you're doing when you're sleeping. You go to sleep and you can start off in one position and then you end up somewhere else. But I was just working with someone this morning who was showing me how she slept and it was affecting her entire one side of her body, one side of her neck, all the way into her shoulder. Her scapula movement was completely different on one side than the other. And she said, I lay like face planted and I just tor- turn my head to that side. And so I said, well, you can try your best to not do that. Um, and we, we worked on some things to loosen it up. But if you're going to sleep um, and you or you want to change your sleeping position. And then ironically, I talked to somebody like an hour later who was telling me about her mattress and her husband likes it really soft, but it's hurting her back and i said well here's the thing you don't want a mattress that's too soft for sure we know that but you don't want one that's too hard either because if it's too hard you're not it's almost like you're you're um you're still propped in a position and nothing's like actually supporting you it's not like you're being held up you're being almost pushed up so you want to find that mattress feeling that you are And I know, you know, there's all kinds of different mattresses, but I'll tell you about the mattress that I have. And it's one that I got at this great um, green store in Princeton, but I know they're in different uh, places. And I, on my next podcast, I'll tell you the name of it because I still, I don't know the name of it and I can't look it up in my mattress, but essentially it's an eco, um, eco mattress because I have now heard that foam, there are levels of foam that are not actually good for you, meaning there there's some toxic material in that, which was totally new to me. But I'm developing another product that has foam in it. And then there's like eco foam. And I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, well, it's, it doesn't have the toxic material that other most other foam does. That was new to me. So I'm going to explore that and I'll get back to you on it. But I don't, So I don't have a foam mattress anyway, thank goodness. But this is a, a mattress that gives you varying types of pressure. So you can kind of make it hard or medium or soft or a little bit in between, but you lie on it in the store and then you really get a sense of, you want this feeling of like dropping into it, but then you're not like, it's not like there's going to be an indent in the mattress when you leave like it, but you also aren't just held up and there's no give. So it it really, it holds you in place and, and you want that for your body, but also for your neck. So pillows should not be super thick, and you want to try and get a pillow that is thin enough that kind of can hook under your skull, but that your chin still can drop down so it's not jutting up. Now, if you lie on your side, you want to keep your neck in the same plane. So if your ear is pushed up, you know that you're flexing too much in in that side. So yeah, there's like nine people, not ten people, who wrote about best positions to sleep, I don't have the answer. (laughs) I'm so sorry to say. I will tell you what I do, which is I start off on my back and I used to sleep like that and not move. And I did that for a number of years, like almost sleeping in Shavasana. And then I would just turn and get all the way on my stomach and splat and feel great. And so now I kind of find a balance where I sometimes start on my back and then move to my side. But with this kind of mattress, it actually feels pretty good. What I will tell you is if your mattress, you'll know it's not a good mattress. If you lie on your side and after like an hour, you actually feel kind of discomfort in that bottom hip because that means it's either too soft or too hard. And then you're just, you're, you're getting that pressure back into your hip, right? It like this, um little bone there of the femur. So there we go. Those are the sleeping ideas. Well, that took me through a few questions. I have about 55 more, and but some of those were about the, the bed. So I'll do this frequently where I will just put out on Instagram, ask you some questions, and I, then I'll give you the answers. I hope that helped you, again, move every day in some way to make yourself feel better. This is a movement to make you feel better so that you also um, feel better around other people. So again, like I said, be around people that make you feel good. And if they don't and they're not getting any better themselves, it's not really your responsibility to just take it um, and and feel bad. It's like you've got to also preserve your good energy. So maybe move out of that relationship. Move away from it. It's okay. You're not a bad person if you do that, P.S. Do all the things you need to do to help you feel good so that you can be better for everyone, especially those who need it. Sending love to you, as always. Big hugs. Bye.